Hi, this is Steve Springer. This is Worshiping God God's Way. The last podcast we did, I mentioned uh, a story about what happened at my son's house when we went to Idaho. And what occurred there was his daughter, which was five years old, she started to worship the Lord, laying down on the ground and worshiping him. And she did it next to me. And then there's a story that goes on. You, If you listen to that podcast, she actually does it again later on in the evening by herself somewhere else. She lays down and worships the Lord. And we noted that. And it was very eye-opening. Well, my son called me a few days ago, maybe a week ago, and he said, hey, you know what happened the other day? My daughter was out in the living room and she's watching this show, this kid's show, a Christian show with kids singing and they're doing a lot of Christian songs. And he heard her say, okay, okay, I'm going to do it. And he walks out there and she lays down on the ground and she begins to worship the Lord. And he calls me and says, hey, you know, Scarlett's worshiping the Lord again. And we really got a big kick out of that. It was very important to us and it meant a lot to me. It reminded me of something that I needed to share. I went to a Christmas Eve service just recently. It's been the Christmas season. The church itself was relatively conservative. Uh, They had um, an average type of presentation, which most churches on New Year's Eve, they do the same things with lighting candles, telling the the, the story of Jesus, the Bethlehem story, and they gather kids in the front and they sit down and they tell the story and that's cute and all. And then they, they go into a sermon about Christmas and the one that the guy presented that evening was really good I and he really was committed to what he was saying. And so as I was listening to the music and all that, I, I felt really like I was sitting in a church about 20 years ago somewhere. It just was this oh, I've been here before so many times. And I was just being polite. I was, wasn't was trying to be judgmental. I was just looking at myself and saying, oh, is there something new? Can we do something new on Christmas Eve? And if I were a working pastor, I would probably think like that. I would probably try to come up with new things. But at the end of that service and listening to what he said, it was very good, but the Lord whispered into my ear and said to me, he needs to break the alabaster jar. And I sat there for a moment and let that process, and it was really saying to me that there's an anointing, there's something fresh and new that that man is holding, but he doesn't know how to get to it. He needs to break open that jar. So I looked up the scripture in Luke again, and it tells the story of the woman who brings the jar. And she comes and she stands in a place where Jesus is actually reclining. And she's standing there and she pours the oil on his head and she pours it on his feet. And then she wipes it with her hair. You know, the whole story of her getting down and being at Jesus's feet. In the process of that story, I recognized a couple things. First of all, that jar that she carried, it was extremely expensive, and people will tell you that most likely it cost about a year's wage to buy that small alabaster jar. So it was expensive. And secondly, to use the jar, you'd have to break off the top because it was sealed. There were the, the ointment and the perfume was inside the jar and to preserve it they would seal it and you'd have to break it open 
and then pour it out. And what that is saying is you could only use it once. You'd have to go back and get another one. So it was for that moment. It was for one person. You really couldn't use it more than once. When I was thinking about Scarlett, when she was bowing before Jesus, this is what came to me when I pushed all of this together, is that she had a jar she was holding an alabaster jar, and she, when she went to worship God in, in the sense of it, she was breaking that jar and pouring that oil without thinking about it, was not hesitating. Uh, she didn't even know what that is. But to Jesus, as he stands there, which he is, he automatically smells that perfume, even though this metaphorical, though, he, spiritually is what's happening, is he smells that perfume, he feels it on his skin, he feels it on his feet. It's an actual experience that he gets when someone bows down before him, and it's like a person who is breaking open that jar and pouring that on Jesus. Now, a five- or six-year-old isn't going to know that, but Jesus says, come unto me, don't let the kids... Don't keep them from coming to me. Bring them to me. And he he wants children to come to him and not just sing and dance and have a really great time. He wants them to also bow down and worship him. And when that happens, we see it as a something a child would do. Oh, a kid could do this, but a, but adults, they they have a hard time with dancing. They have a hard time with shouting and clapping, some of them. Sometimes they don't have the the vision for bowing. They don't have the uh, ability to break that jar, to break off that lid and pour that oil and bow themselves down before Jesus. It's easier for a child to do it than for an adult to do it. I know when I was watching that service, that Christmas Eve service, I could see the desperation in the pastor's face. I could hear it in his voice. And I related to what he was saying. The man knew Jesus. He had been serving Jesus for a long time. You could tell he was working in that ministry. If he would have understood that breaking that jar was something he had to do personally to go to the next level of actually worshiping Jesus, if he could see that, I would hope that he would do that. But when you look at the story of Jesus and that woman in Luke 7, you're going to read about the people, the Pharisees and all the others there, who complained about the woman who was pouring the perfume. Their argument was they were, she was wasting that perfume because it cost a lot and they could take that money and go do service. They could pay for the poor to have food. They could buy things for people who were in need. And they would take that money that they would spend on that and they would take it to the streets and they would use it there. But Jesus does not see it like that. Jesus would rather that the woman use it there on him. And it was about his burial. That's true. And that's what he's referring to. But her act in bringing that was an act of worship. She bowed her face, her feet, her arms, her legs, her knees down, and she presented that. 
I don't think the Pharisees in that room were just complaining about the cost of that jar. They were complaining spiritually about her actions, what she was actually doing. On that Christmas Eve service during that time together, here's my thought. If that pastor, when he was talking about that thing about Jesus, who Jesus was, and explaining all of what it meant to the world, how it would change the world, bring forgiveness to all sin, and bring man, humanity, to a place of relationship with the God of the universe. As he was explaining that, the most powerful thing that I believe he could have done would be to break that jar and get down on his knees and say, we are going to worship this king together and pour out that perfume on Jesus. When I see a five-year-old doing it, none of that comes to mind. It's just accepted, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous, it's wonderful. And when Jesus says, bring the children to me, I say, oh, that's really great, I can see that happening. But he looks at us and says, you, have to become like children. You, the one standing there who is in control and leading and talking and singing and playing and telling everybody how it's going to go, you become a child and you come to this place and you offer that jar of anointing before him. And I'm not talking just in a person's mind. I'm talking physically like the five-year-old girl was doing in the living room. What Jesus is asking us to do when we bring children to him. Do you know he's not just talking about them singing and dancing when they come to him? He's talking about them climbing on him, getting all over him. And that includes his feet. That includes the children being down and coming up. And he sees it that way. And so... When we come to Jesus and we begin to say to ourselves, Lord, what do you want? How can I offer this to you? He's going to remind you and me of the woman who comes into the house already prepared. She already purchased the jar. She knew how much it cost. She was ready to do it. And in spite of her surroundings, she started at his head and anointed him. And she worked her way down to the floor. Sometimes we start at the head of Jesus, we get to the heart of Jesus, and then we stop. We sing and we dance and we play. And then when we get below that, we just dwindle off and we say, okay, it's over. We don't have to go any further. Let's talk about Jesus now. And the whole time Jesus is expecting, he's waiting for us to go further, to get to his feet and spend time there. As long as it takes us to pour that oil, to massage it into his skin, to let it filter its perfume into the air so everyone can smell it. That's what the story is about. That's what worshiping Jesus is about. It's about that moment, that jar of perfume, 
and what a person comes to do with it. It can be by yourself, you can be alone, like the little girl in the living room, or you can be in a room with a whole bunch of people, like we were two weeks before when she came down, fell on the floor, and began to worship Jesus. It happens when we prepare ourselves and we come and we say, this is what we're gonna do. This is how we are gonna worship God, God's way. Oh,